Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast series for product management and product marketing professionals. I'm Lisa Sorg Friedman, and today I'm joined by Gavin Nathan of Ignite Advisory Group. Gavin shared his experiences implementing customer advisory boards with us in a recent popular webinar that was titled Essentials in Creating and Managing a Successful Customer Advisory Board. This webinar was so popular that we didn't have enough time for Gavin to answer all the questions that were posed. In fact, there were more than 150 of them. So we've brought him back today to answer the top 10 questions. Welcome, Gavin. Thank you. Glad to have you today. So I figured we'd start from the very beginning, kind of progressing with people who may not have had a customer advisory board. And one of the questions we received quite a few of was, my company is about to kick off our first ever customer advisory board. Can you share a common mistake that companies make with inaugural CAB meetings and how to avoid that? Yeah, sure. Um, So a a common mistake is not allowing enough time for agenda preparation. Um, The process takes about six to eight weeks if done properly. So you need to start this about three months prior to the the face-to-face CAB meeting. Um, The first stage involves gathering key topics from the executive sponsor and the internal CAB steering committee. What are the critical business decisions they, they need to make in the next 12 months and how can the advisory board insights help them? That's the key question. Then you need to create an interview discussion guide with these six or so proposed agenda topics. Interview the CAB members on the phone. Um, An online survey just won't get you close to understanding their real perspectives on these key business challenges. Once you've done the interviews, you've got to analyze the results to determine what topics should be on the agenda, what topics should be dropped and then get the executive sponsor and the CAB steering committee to agree on the final agenda. This all takes time, but it's critical to ensure you have an agenda that is mutually beneficial for both your internal team and the advisory board members. Okay. All right, well, so you had mentioned um, getting people on the customer advisory board. So what level of of people should be invited to join CABs? Should it be senior managers, vice presidents, CEOs? And what about the mix of technical and um, business? Yeah, well, there's basically two types of customer advisory boards. One type is strategic. The members are senior level decision makers with budget authority. They sign the checks for your product and receive the benefits of the products you provide. Um, They can advise on strategic challenges that the industry faces and identify market opportunities inside and outside their organization. That's the first type. The second type of customer advisory boards is a product customer advisory board. The members are the users of your product. They're familiar with how it performs and can advise you on how to improve the product. They have a more shorter term view though and may not be aware of wider organization and industry challenges. So you can't mix the two. For example, you can't have a a CFO serve on a customer advisory board with system administrators. The agenda topics can never engage such diverse audiences at any one time. So ideally, you want to bring birds of a feather together, and uh, the CAP members want to look around the room and see their peers sitting around them. Mm -hmm. Well, do you recommend that companies have more than one advisory board? Does it make sense for certain companies to have strategic and product-level boards? 
Yes, definitely. Um, especially these days, uh, there's, you know, we often find that uh, in the B2B world, um, there's a need for companies to be engaging with both senior level executives in their customer base and also the, uh, the system administrators, the product users, the people who are using the product. So there's definitely a, a, a business case for adopting both of those advisory boards. Mm-hmm. All right. And what about selecting CAB members from among your customer base? Can you talk briefly a little bit about the analysis that go, that should go on there? For You know, like, for example, do you check to see if these customers are early adopters versus more mature members? Are there advantages one way or the other? Yeah, it really depends on the objectives of the advisory board. Um, if you're looking for innovative ideas from early adopters within your customer base, um, or are you looking to increase customer loyalty from some of your largest clients? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it really depends uh, the makeup of the advisory board. Um, as a general rule of thumb, advisory boards should contain the most influential clients within your customer base. We also like to ensure that an advisory board uh, convened with very established companies. For example, if you had the likes of Ford and Wells Fargo on your advisory board, then we'd recommend mixing it up with a few members from kind of new age companies like Tesla or Match.com to uh, get different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, you had mentioned uh, that it's a good idea to get the most influential customers, but I know some people have been concerned about how you make sure everybody um, speaks, you know, what, what if there are concerns about certain people monopolizing the boards. So how would you work around that? Because you could have influential customers, but there still might be someone who dominates the conversation or tends to dominate the conversation versus others. Yeah, that's true. That goes down to having a good facilitator, being able to ensure that everybody around the room has uh, an equal opportunity to engage in the conversation and no one or two members end up dominating. Okay. Well, can the facilitator be one of the CAB members? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question. So, um, the, ultimately, the facilitator needs to be objective. So, this often rules out the customer uh, customers being the facilitator, and it often rules out the vendor as well. Um, the facilitator also needs to be trained in facilitation, so that's another key requirement. Um, and I wouldn't want to put a facilitator in front of your uh, top clients and your executive management team unless they facilitate a the customer meeting before. So for those reasons, most world-class advisory boards use a third-party facilitator, someone that is objective and someone that is trained and has a lot of experience in facilitating cabs. Okay. All right. So I'm guessing that um, tips for increasing participation in the discussion would be to get a good facilitator, somebody who can draw conversation out of everybody who's participating. Yeah, when it comes down to participation, um, we use what's called an 80-20 rule. So, you know, it's important to use facilitation techniques to ensure that the advisory board members are speaking 80% of the time. Um, This only allows 20% of the time for the host company to get their perspective across. So, Mm -hmm. this 80-20 rule um, for increasing participation 
is really key. This is the sweet spot where, based on our research, the advisory board members get the most value out of the CAV experience because they're able to talk and share their views, and the host company also gets the most value because they're able to sit back and listen to their clients building on each other's perspectives. So that's one of the key things you want to do is to create an environment where the members um, feel safe so that they can uh, agree or disagree with their peers around the room. Um, it really takes a lot of preparation to achieve this. It takes coaching, and it takes a variety of facilitation techniques to achieve this 80-20 this balance. Hmm. Okay. One of the questions that we saw a lot of is, um, we have trouble getting the right amount of time to plan and execute on a customer advisory board. Our development team doesn't want to spend cycles waiting for CAB feedback, so do you have any suggestions on how to make the importance of the CAB understood across the organization? Yes. Um, there's two things that can really help here. Firstly, instead of waiting a year to meet with the advisory board, we recommend at a minimum having quarterly strategy calls with the board. These are real interactive working sessions for 90 minutes. Um, in addition to that, you can also create working groups with CAB that meet every six to eight weeks. So, you know, a CAB should be viewed as a 12-month program, just not a once-a-year meeting. Um, mm -hmm. So that overcomes the first um, problem you, that you address for waiting for CAB feedback. I think the second part to the question relates to um, suggestions on how to make the importance of the CAB understood across the organization. So. What we'd like to do is um, to better communicate what's happening with the CAB. We recommend publishing a detailed uh, meeting report and call summaries after every meeting with the advisory board. Publish it internally to all, uh, to all of the relevant employees that would have a stake or interest in what customers are saying around these topics. And in addition to that, um, many of our clients we help them create a quarterly customer advisory board update email. So this explains the outcome of the uh, recent discussions that the board has had and also gives a brief as to what topics are planned for the customer advisory board over the next quarter. Hmm. Okay. Well, that answers in part at least one of the other questions we received, which is what is the right cadence for CAB meetings, you know, monthly, bimonthly, quarterly, and um, how long are the meetings? Should they be one day or multiple day events? And I know you have mentioned the importance of quarterly strategy calls, working groups that meet every six to eight weeks perhaps, and then quarterly email updates. But in terms of getting people together, you know, the whole cab, hmm. would that be an annual event? What do, what do companies find works for them? Yeah, yeah, so, so definitely um, ideally cab meetings are uh, the whole cab should meet at a minimum on a quarterly basis for, for okay. 90 minutes, as I said. But most companies um, also go with one annual face-to-face -face meeting a year. Mm -hmm. um, the, the annual in-person meeting is normally one and a half days long. Um, if you do it for just one day, people give you the feedback that maybe it's too short. If you go for two days, you know, it can be tough um, to take that much time away from the office with travel as well. So one and a half days seems to be the uh, ideal time frame for an annual in-person meeting. It's just long enough to really go deep into some of the issues and topics that the advisory board is keen to talk about. Um, and we definitely recommend a social networking reception the evening before. Um, 
and also uh, a social event and maybe a more formal dinner uh, on the evening in between day one and day two. Mm -hmm. Now, when you recommend those social events, that would be just for the um, customer advisory board or do you see any value in bringing in other people from the organization? Yeah, sometimes a social event is a good opportunity to um, meet other key folks, uh, other mm -hmm. key executives in the organization. Um, but what, what, what we tend to find is, um, you know, we want this to be as much as possible a, a customer meeting. So we want the customers to be the uh, majority representatives uh, at any one time. So as a general rule, um, we suggest that there should never be more than one company employee for every uh, two customers that attend the meeting. Okay. Well, that's a good rule of thumb. Mm. And uh, another question, this segues right into that, is what about the venue? Um, do you recommend asking a customer to host in their facility or do you use a hotel, you know, some third-party site? Yeah, it's, it's a lot to ask a board member to uh, host a, a meeting for 20 or so people. Um, over multiple days, so um, we find that um, you know, hotels and other event locations have the necessary staff and infrastructure to support a, a very productive meeting experience. Mm -hmm. Okay. And does it matter where it is? I mean, do you, would it be, I guess, something that's closer in the, in the city of the, the company that's hosting? Yeah, companies take, you can take a number of different strategies here. Sometimes it's good to choose a location that is um, uh, distant from the uh, corporate headquarters to avoid distractions and to ensure that everybody um, has traveled there and, and can devote their time and, and spend it at the advisory board meeting. So it can help to have it in a small intimate hotel reception with great meeting facilities. Um, we certainly don't advise doing the meeting in a place like Las Vegas. People can easily get lost. It, you know, it can take half an hour to walk from the hotel room to the uh, meeting room there. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, some locations work better than others. Um, and obviously, you've got to factor in the cost of travel, uh, weather, um, and, uh, uh, you know, the location of the advisory board members. Yes. Well, I know in the webinar you touched upon budget. But what do you, in your experience, what do you find would be a range? Because I know there are smaller companies that would be concerned about not being able to afford to do a really effective tab. So what do you tell people? Well, it really does range completely. I mean, it's like when you um, uh, book your vacation. You can, you can have a variety of options when it comes to uh, accommodation and, uh, and travel costs and that sort of thing. And that is really the, the bulk of the the cost of uh, an advisory board meeting there. Um, but, you know, it is important to invest that money. Um, so it's very difficult to engage people just online. Um, it's a completely different experience when you get people face-to-face. -face. Um, so, you know, really it's, it's a matter of... Uh, doing what it takes if you're a small company to try and find a convenient location that's cost-effective where you can bring people together face-to-face. -face. That's the most important part of this. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Now, in your experience, what are the top three benefits that uh, customer advisory board members cite for being members of a CAB? 
Yeah, we've actually done some research on this, and um, there's three things that consistently come up, um, whether this is a uh, product advisory board or whether it's a strategic advisory board with uh, senior-level executives. Um, three things that they're, they're, they get out of it is, firstly, the ability to network with their peers and understand what is happening across the industry. Second thing is the ability to influence the host company's product roadmap and also the business strategy of the host company. And the third thing is the ability to meet um, the host company's executive management team face-to-face. -face. Um, so they're the three benefits, but um, psychologically, um, I believe that the advisory board members um, get tremendous value from seeing their ideas getting implemented. Um, there's a real sense of accomplishment from serving on an advisory board and seeing your ideas ultimately being adopted by the host company and, uh, and across the industry. Well, that's good to know. Um, one other question we received was regarding the best approach um, to take on restructuring an inherited advisory board that has long-term members who want to be involved but you know that you need to revitalize the board and engage a new perspective. Yeah, this is an interesting one. So reevaluating the board membership is the key thing here. You need to ensure you have the right level, the right blend, the right type of customer on the advisory board. That's critical. Um, but you'd also, I'd ask, I'd want to know why they are restructuring the advisory board because mm -hmm. you, there may also be a need to reevaluate um, the membership of the internal steering team as well. Do you have the right stakeholders and executive sponsorship internally engaged in the program to ensure the insights that are collected can be actioned by your organization? Otherwise, restructuring an inherited advisory board with new members isn't necessarily going to improve the program um, if you can't turn the advisory board's insights into action items and then get them adopted by the organization to create return on investment. So, you know, I'd be looking at not only the um, membership, but also the internal governance and the internal steering team and making sure that those insights can be turned into action items over time. Well, that's a lot to think about. Yeah. Great advice. Yeah. Well, Gavin, those are our top ten questions that we um, were hoping you could answer for us today. So thank you so much for your time. It's been really helpful. Yeah, it's been fun. I, I enjoy answering these uh, questions. And, um, of course, we're here to help. So uh, if anybody has any additional questions or would like to discuss advisory boards in more detail, then... Uh, please feel free to contact us. Excellent. And they can email you at info at igniteag.com, correct? Yep, that's correct. That's info right. at igniteag.com. All right, and we'll post that information in our um, notes as well. So thank you so much, Gavin. Thank you. Have a good day. All right, thanks. You too. Bye. Bye now. To learn more about the value of customer advisory boards, you can listen to the original webinar. We've included the link in our program notes. And you can check out our website for articles about customer advisory boards at pragmaticmarketing.com. 
including one by Gavin's colleague, Rob Jensen of Ignite, about why customer advisory boards matter. You'll also find articles, webinars, ebooks, and white papers to help you become more market-driven. Finally, if you have any additional questions about customer advisory boards, email Ignite at info at igniteag.com. We'll post that information in our program notes as well. 